0: I always just cringe super hard when I see someone hit that vape uh, in a World War II uniform. You know, there's nothing about that that looks looks cool or realistic or appealing to me on any level
1: whatsoever. Sat in a trench, uh, and then all of a sudden you get a cool waft of pina colada or cherry ice blast. (laughs)
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again with our special guest today. Eric, thank you for coming back on the program.
1: Uh, Great pleasure to be back on board. Um, it's, uh, (laughs) It's always nice to be back here again and having a chat with you about what hopefully should be quite an interesting subject we've got this evening.
0: Definitely an interesting subject, definitely a lot to talk about. Um, We're going to be talking today about kind of the intersection of smoking and reenacting. I just want to, you know, I'm not going to like belabor this point, but I feel like I just have to say at the outset of the episode... um, Obviously, my feelings and opinions are uniquely my own. I am a non-smoker. I find smoking to be extremely gross. I've never smoked in my life. And, uh, you know, that's my perspective about it. I really, I really hate it. But um, in historical reenacting, it is something that, that one encounters because it was a fact of life um, during, during wartime, perhaps even more than, than now. Um, so, so having said that, Eric, uh, what's your what's your take? What's your kind of history on uh, on this topic?
1: Okie dokie. So, essentially, my um, my insight into smoking and reenacting is the fact that I'm probably the quintessential. I took up smoking uh, because of reenacting. Um, I got started in reenacting roughly about the age of thirteen, and I think, being honest, I tried my first cigarettes roughly at about the age of. 14, and that was at a reenactment And I think the reason why I tried it at that stage was because it was an environment away from uh, friends and family um, the group uh, that I was initially part of was a Soviet group and if I'd smoked in that group it would have essentially got back to my parents um, a year or so later I then moved over to a German reenactment group um, and the the poison of choice in that group rather than drinking vodka was smoking and so because there wasn't that those parameters of parents finding out and that sort of thing i gave it a go and it wasn't any sort of peer pressure thing that got me into it i got into uh, and trying cigarettes and then enjoying cigarettes because i wanted to um my personal opinions on smoking itself is you you know the risks that go with it um at the end of the day, the reason why it says smoking kills on the packet is because of that very reason. Um, off the back of that, for many years, um, I, you know, went off to university and then into the world of work, and you know, I still smoke uh, to this day. In fact, I had a couple of smokes before I, I came on to this evening's episode. Um, but it's one of those things where, regardless of whether you try and knock it on the head. Um, when you go back to the reenactment, there is that urge. Um, so it's uh, the two are certainly intertwined, and they go hand in hand for me.
0: That's interesting. It's interesting that you say that you got started with smoking because of reenacting, because this is something that I think... Doesn't get discussed enough. And I've actually seen people take the position that, well, everybody knows that smoking is dangerous. No one would start smoking because of reenacting. No one in reenacting is being pressured to smoke cigarettes to conform to an image that we have made in our minds about what a person from the 1940s looked like. But, you know, in my experience, I've absolutely seen it. I've seen young people get started in the hobby and, um, you know, very quickly, they're they're walking around at a reenactment with a cigarette between their lips. There's, I, I mean, I on some level, I can see the appeal. Even just from the perspective of putting together your kit, a lot of reenactors are really eager to kind of dive into putting together a set of personal items. And when you're looking at 1940s um, material culture... Pocket stuffer type things. You're going to see cigarette cases and lighters, and they make reproduction cigarette packaging. And so, um, you know, to me, it, it it makes sense that there would be a sort of an allure and a temptation for people to get started in smoking uh, for their impression. And I've I've heard it countless times over the years reenacting where people say, "Well, I only smoke for the impression." Um, but does it make an impression more? Authentic to smoke cigarettes?
1: My opinion on it is that when you're deciding on something as individual as whether or not you smoke, there were soldiers in the German army who did smoke, there were soldiers in the German army who didn't smoke. Um, Let's say you're starting off as a non-smoker, the simple fact that you as an individual are taking up smoking, in my opinion, is not somehow improving the impression, you're just choosing to form Uh, But form part of one of the two categories of smoker or non-smoker. If you imagine two German soldiers standing side by side, both identical kit and equipment, one of them's got a cigarette in their hand, the other one doesn't. Their kit is nonetheless the same. The quality of the impression would nonetheless be the same. It's purely down to a personal choice, provided the individual is, if they are choosing to smoke, is doing it in an accurate manner, you know, with period tobacco. Products and uh, lighter and so on. Then yes, that improves the impression, but the actual fact of them smoking a cigarette, I think, is neither here nor there.
0: To some extent, our our understanding of the extent to which German soldiers smoked is itself influenced by a sort of a caricature of a of a historical uh, mid twentieth century person. And of course, I've heard. I've heard everything from uh, all soldiers always smoke. You know, a soldier is a soldier, and a soldier wants his wants his cigarette. To um, well, it was the nineteen forties, and er- every single person smoked, and it was just universal, and no one no one saw anything untoward about smoking. But that's those things aren't entirely true. Um, I mean, we could look. I understand that. Yes, um, would it be accurate to say that? Um, most German soldiers in World War II smoked cigarettes. I think it probably would be. Um, But at the same time, there was a real push by the elites in the Third Reich to get people away from smoking. Hitler never smoked. He made a point to point out that... um, Mussolini and Franco, their allies, the leaders of their allies also did not smoke while the allied leaders, uh, Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt, they did smoke. Hitler ordered tobacco production to be curtailed dramatically. In 1941, they raised the taxes on cigarettes so that they were equal to the price or almost equal to the retail price of the product itself. And and in the military, they they also had similar... Um, attempts to curb smoking, even before the war in 1938, the Luftwaffe banned smoking inside all of their buildings. Um, I get—I've read, I don't have a, a source on hand for this, um, so you know, take that for what it is. But I've—I've I've read that uh, from 1940, SS soldiers were prohibited from smoking on duty, and female soldiers were never issued cigarettes, and male soldiers who did smoke were issued six cigarettes a day instead of 20 cigarettes a day in some of the allied armies and they were allowed with ration coupons to buy up to 50 additional cigarettes a month but a lot of times those those cigarettes weren't available anyway because of the decreased production so um, you know these are all historical facts that could be used uh, to justify not smoking and having that be totally period correct I mean it the Germans, it was a German scientists or team of German scientists who first conclusively established the link between cigarette smoking and lung cancer. So they knew that it was bad for you. And they had a big public campaign to alert people that it was bad for them. There was like an ideological sort of national socialist reason for people to not smoke. Um So from my perspective, basically, it's not it's not something that is is necessary. But I understand that people might try to make the case that um, you know a smoky room is is somehow more atmospheric and has a more World War II vibe. And I mean, I guess that's a that's a subjective thing that I that no one can really argue against. You know, that's a matter of a person's individual perspective. That's that's what it comes down to for me.
1: Indeed, yes. I mean, if we if we were imagining the, you know the as you say, the sort of the soldier's canteen in the evening, there would be a large number of individuals in that room uh, smoking. But when it boils down to the individual person and how they're crafting their own impression, as you say, it, it, it's just as accurate in the sense of if their impression is accurate for them to be a non-smoker, given the fact that they're non-smoking individuals... As to being a smoker, the individual reenactor, it's down, I suppose, it's down to personal preference whether they wish to choose to be a smoker on the basis that there were large percentages of the German army smoking, despite the same fact that they could just be as accurate uh, without smoking. Um, It's really the the route that the individual takes, and I I think that brings it back to the point I was mentioning um, where I said that I started smoking because I wanted to do it it wasn't necessarily an accuracy thing uh, it wasn't I want to fit in with the cool kids I just wanted to give it a go and I think that when um, the sort of the parameters of parents and school let's say for younger reenactors are taken away and they can be something completely different then that does sort of open the door to trying new things like smoking uh, especially when it's so embedded in the culture of the German soldier of World War
0: Two, It's definitely embedded in the culture of reenacting. Um, you know, I, I've seen, I can't count the number of times I've seen this, where I see on like a show your impressions page on Facebook, where people will showcase their kit and display the impression that they've created. So many times I've seen a young person, a teenager, post an impression and he's got a cigarette in his mouth Mm -hmm. in some or all of the pictures. Yes. And you know, this is a posed photo shoot. And so the inclusion of the cigarette here is a deliberate choice to create more realism or to create, um, just a picture that is more evocative of world war two. And, you know, I'm not going to debate whether or not a picture with a cigarette is more or less world war two. Um, But I just, I hate to see that, you know, I, I obviously, um, cigarette smoking is harmful. And for me personally, even if you could prove to me that, um, every single World War II German soldier smoked 24 hours a day because it, it eased boredom or it, um, relieved tension or whatever. I, I personally still wouldn't smoke because it's unhealthy and I just, and I think it's gross, and there yeah. were people during World War II who thought it was gross, and that's all right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, its I, I really didn't want to go on as, as someone who does enjoy smoke for the simple fact of I enjoy having a cigarette, and reenacting for me has become a sort of a relaxational process, so intertwined with that is the fact of, well, I'm getting away from the office, I'm getting away from the missus, so therefore I might as well enjoy myself and have a cigarette while I'm at it. Um, and I think that that's when that's all sort of meshed together. It, that sensation of oh well, you're sat in a damp hole. Um, you know, you're feeling a bit. You're feeling like you want to be a bit badass, so, so you light up a cigarette. It it does give that enjoyment factor to it, and it's one of those things where I I would certainly say that although it is a gross. Thing it does do all of the stuff that it says on the packets, and I certainly don't want to come on here tonight and say, try and be some sort of um, apologist for smoking. It there is an element of enjoyment to it, I think, and I think that anyone who's you know is reasonably switched on takes that sort of rough with the smooth, um, or at least plays uh, a bit of a risky game of chance of thinking it, the the downsides to them. Uh, will never happen to them because there are numerous downsides. You know, it's tremendously expensive. Um, you know, in the United Kingdom, a packet of cigarettes, 20 cigarettes, will probably cost you in the region about £11.50. Um, it, uh, it's not good for you in the sense of, let's say, for example, your fitness. If you are smoking huge amounts of cigarettes, you're probably going to develop some sort of health conditions that may prevent you from reenacting. It may also prevent you from keeping as fit as you might want to do so because it's going to have an impact on your respiratory system. And therefore, you're probably not going to be able to lose weight if you need to, if you want to be in the hobby for the long run. And Therefore, there's a possibility of obesity and that's probably going to lead to, some situations, not as an accurate impression. So, for all of those reasons... Um, it's, it's not a good idea to get started in it, but at the same time, I can see how people enjoy it and uh, carry on doing it, because I certainly am in that category.
0: Yeah, the, the pressure to do it at events is definitely there, and it, it's not always in a very overt peer pressure way where somebody's like, come on, kid, ha- have a smoke, it'll put some hair on your chest, be a man, you know, I, I think about my own experience just guys in my group um who would get together at an event maybe take a take a moment away from whatever the task was and um you know pack a, a pipe a bowl filled with with tobacco and um you know everybody smokes their pipe and has has a laugh and um and i'm kind of on the outside looking in a little bit in those moments you know and if i wasn't so against it you know maybe i would think well what what is the harm you know i'll just i'll i'll smoke a pipe and i'll do it and it's you know if i was in world war 2 that's what i would have done and i mean i get it um but uh, i don't know i just personally uh i've i've never had a problem myself at the same time if someone if someone has ever given me a hard time about not smoking tobacco at a reenactment, I just say, well, the Fuhrer never smoked yeah. you know, in a, uh, in like a, you know, and that's, I think a, a period response or that yeah. the Fuhrer never smokes. Right. Yeah.
1: I th- um, it's, it's, I would, I would certainly say that I, as I would, I wouldn't want to ever sort of ridicule someone else for not smoking. And I think that, you know, an intelligent reenactor, would not try and force their own sort of uh, life choices on another reenactor in the sense of things. Certainly, so harmful as smoking. the The problem is that for me, that reenacting is intertwined with enjoyable times. In the sense that, as you say, you know, you take a moment off the task that you're doing. Uh, you pack your pipe and you proceed to have a nice smoke and relax, and you know, just uh, just take in the world around you. One of my favourite. Uh, events that I did it was a, uh, a tactical private battle um, just in the summer of 2020 and it was the first battle that we'd done after the initial Covid lockdowns and that sort of thing. And it just easy, and we were able to cram in this private battle and everyone was looking forward to it and we were massively outnumbered by the Americans and we'd set up various foxholes and we knew that we were going to get hit pretty hard. And there was myself and another chap in the foxhole. And we were just waiting for the Americans to rock up. And we could hear them bumping the 4 postern. And we were just there smoking our cigarettes, thinking, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. And they're going to hit us soon. And it's all, all hell is going to break loose. And so that was tremendously enjoyable. That's something that I do think back on. think, wow, that was a fantastic battle. And that was a very atmospheric moment. Um, so the, the intertwining of, shall we say, quote-unquote, good times with smoking are always there. Whether it's that battle situation, whether it's that cool picture that someone takes of you, where you've got a, a cigarette hanging out of your mouth and you know, you're looking rather hard, um, or whether it's having a few beers in the evening uh, with your mates, it's that, that smoking is always there. And I think one of the problems is when that smoking continues, when you stop becoming a reenactment smoker or a social smoker, and you then start thinking, "Well, the first day back in the office after the reenactment was a bit tough i've got a couple of cigarettes left in my kit bag. Shall I fire them up and then it starts to become something more than just a weekend hobby
0: sure, right You could start doing it for the impression, and then it could become it could become a lifelong addiction hmm. i get- I get it like the the situation that you describe um you know, kind of the tension, um, and and taking a drag on the cigarette as you're as you're peering out at, towards the advancing enemy or whatever. I, I understand that that maybe feels real, and that for some people it can sort of look hard, as you put it. You know, it's um, and I imagine that they were probably young people in in World War II who might have felt a desire to start smoking. For the look, you know, because it it looks tough, or it makes you look more mature, or whatever. Um, I, for my end, I never, I never saw it that way. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a person who's living now in the 21st century, and I have my own, you know, ideas about um, what smoking looks like. But when I'm taking pictures of guys in my group, I will very actively try to avoid taking any pictures when people are smoking. Um, there's very, very few photos that I've taken of, you know, at reenactments of guys in my group smoking. I always try to, I try, I try not to participate in the whole glamorization of smoking thing that like can happen as a sort of unintended side effect of reenacting.
1: Well, certainly, I mean, it's, it's, there are numerous photos of of German soldiers with uh, tobacco products smoking, whether it's pipes, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's a, sort of a, uh, a studio photograph or whether it's a quick cigarette in the heat of battle photograph and that glamorisation um, I would certainly say is present if you, if you look at society around us there's very much a demonization of tobacco products and understandably, uh, quite rightly so as it says on the packet, it kills you let's not make any bones about it, let's not apologise for it, that is exactly what it does and um, and I think the more something is demonized in that respect, the more people look at old timey photos, you know, your Clark Gable having a cigarette, Sean Connery having a cigarette, and then if we take it back to um, World War Two of you know these mysterious German soldiers also having a cigarette in, you know, the uniforms or in the heat of battle, I think it just intensifies that glamorization of something that does kill you. Um So I can certainly see how the photography sort of perpetuates it and then when younger individuals who've been raised in a society that demonizes tobacco products see those, they think, ah, if I do that, my photos are going to look as cool as theirs in a misguided sense, shall we say.
0: Sure. I think another thing that is worth pointing out is that there is sort of a a connection between reenacting and drinking, right? I mean, we all kind of know this, that um, at a lot of reenactments, not every reenactment, but a lot of the time, the social scene in the evening is um, pretty, you know, there's a level of inebriation that some people partake in. And um, and so your inhibitions are, lowered, are, are lessened by that as well, right? I mean, that's another thing that sort of um, could, I think elicit somebody maybe to to try smoking or to smoke more than they usually do or whatever it is
1: yeah yeah it's it, it certainly ties in with the the inability to give it up because you think right well the person's trying to give it up and they're put in that environment it keeps them going and at the same time it then becomes quite difficult because if we take the view that both tobacco products and alcohol products are very damaging for uh, a young person, uh, they can become addictive, um, and even on a recreational level, um, there are damaging qualities to both of them. It then becomes quite difficult to say, well, actually, that person's drinking to excess, but at the same time, they're saying to me, "I shouldn't have a few cigarettes on my weekend away." Um, it, it becomes tremendously difficult because both of those products or legalised. So there's no sort of legal requirement or no sort of legal threshold to say this is bad because it's illegal. It purely falls down to a moral um, moral outlook and the difficulty is the morals the, uh, belong to the individual who's either having the can of beer or smoking the cigarette. Um, but both are destructive and I think it's learning that sort of moderation if you are going to do it. Don't be surprised if, if you're doing it to excess and exactly what you've told Uh, you've been told might happen happens
0: yeah it puts me in a weird situation sometimes because as a non-smoker i find that i have to balance my desire to not be around people who are smoking with um, the realities of what people would have done in a wartime-type situation, right? So, for example, my reenactment crew here has um, a couple of uh, underground bunkers at a site, and these are very small and closed spaces. And when I do events there with my group, I usually ask that people don't smoke in there. Yeah. Um, and... Nobody, I think people are, people understand where I'm coming from and no one has ever really challenged me about that and pushed back on it. But I think if it was a World War II real situation, it's unlikely that people would be expected to step outside the bunker to have a cigarette. No. And when I do events with my Soviet unit or or other groups that I've fielded with at various times and I'm not in charge of anything, and if pe- if people want to smoke inside a closed interior space that I'm in, I, I just, I kind of just have to take it, you know, I just have to accept it and, and try to take it in stride. I don't love it. But, you know, I do understand that uh, it's, it's kind of breaking the immersion if I put up a stink and, and, and kind of refuse to be around someone who's smoking because soldiers in World War Two, of course, they wouldn't necessarily have had that option
1: yeah it's it is tremendously difficult because you can imagine these sort of positions people would just be smoking away on the inside and as well as that from a safety perspective going outside of the bunker to then light up a cigarette that illuminates the individual may may not have happened um, it's from a reenactor perspective i suppose it's just a case of being considerate for those around you i i remember at training weekends Back in the days of GD clearings we used to be in enclosed uh, training huts, and there was a large number of the group that smoked at that point. And initially we started out with the rule of, well, it's a hired site, there are non-smokers also with you in a confined area, if you want a cigarette, go outside. And the difficulty was that soon Uh, was abandoned because it was winter training events the weather was poor and as well as that it was in a sort of a a barracks style environment um, without that sort of formal training structure of if you lit up a cigarette halfway through a lecture you'd be told off so it was um, it was smoking all the way Uh, but I do feel uh, in a difficult position and sorry for the non smokers in the room at that point
0: yeah it's different I think for everybody too like I know people who don't smoke and they they don't really object to people smoking around them. I I really have an aversion to it. I don't know why. Um it might might have to do with when I was a kid, both of my parents were heavy smokers and I'd be in the back seat of the car and they would be up front uh chain smoking, you know, with all the windows yeah. up in the car and it just smoking like never ever appealed to me I, and I think it might be because of how I perceived my parents doing it. it it was just off-putting from like my earliest childhood memories yeah
1: i mean my, i conversely i grew up in a household where neither parents smoked um and they were you know tremendously anti-smoking and both my brother and i uh we do enjoy smoke being with people um for example my ex-partner she again grew up in a household full of smokers and she couldn't stand it so it certainly is um it certainly is reflective on the nature of uh, what's upbringing
0: yeah i even i try not to come at anybody with like a a moral perspective about it like um you know i understand that i'm wearing a uniform of the third reich here and uh it it's kind of a we, you know and maybe i'm maybe i'm drinking as well so i'm not uh, trying to be sort of a church lady and tell someone they're a bad person for smoking. But for me personally, I do have to kind of draw a line somewhere. Like I I won't buy cigarettes if uh, if someone asks me to, to pick up a pack on the way to the event. I'm not going to do that. The only cigarettes I've ever bought in my whole life have been uh original world war Two items that are a part of my collection of original stuff i do have like a very small representative collection of tobacco related items from world war Two because that was uh, part of the daily life of probably most of the people who who fought in the war um but i i don't want to like buy cigarettes no. for somebody i wouldn't buy i wouldn't even buy cigarettes for my parents you know no
1: i, I think that brings us on to quite a, an important point of if you are a smoker within the hobby, what sort of responsibility do you show um, when a younger reenactor who may may not be interested in smoking starts to turn and they say, "Oh, can I have a cigarette?" Um, should you be offering cigarettes round if you are an older older person within a younger group of reenactors? Naturally, it's polite. Let's say. You know, in the same way, offering someone a piece of chocolate as a reenactment. If you've got some cigarettes, would you like a cigarette? But is there some sort of moral obligation on reenactors to ensure that younger reenactors don't get drawn into it? That's definitely
0: a complex subject. And again, I think about drinking and um, underage people going to reenactments maybe it's a public display after hours the realism kind of winds down a little bit and it's more about social time and hanging out with your friends and people are are relaxing and and laughing and maybe enjoying a couple of drinks and then you've got a uh, uh, you know a bottle that's being passed around maybe and that bottle makes it to somebody who's 17 years old or, or maybe younger or, or a little older, but still not really old enough to not, not a legal adult in the eyes of the 21st century law of the United States or whatever. And, uh, and what happens in that moment, you know, and I've seen it, I've seen that. I've seen every extreme in that from units where the policy is, um, if you're under 21 years old, don't, don't worry about getting, uh, beers or alcohol for the event because we'll just supply you with it um, to we'll kick you out of this group if we find out that you're underage and we're drinking at this event you know and everything in between and i'm not i'm not necessarily sure what the right answer is i think maybe it depends on it depends on the person it depends on the situation because this can happen in so many different ways
1: yeah i mean as you say it is tremendously tricky let's take the example of, you know a, a reenactor who's 17 and a half and a reenactor who is 18 and a half it's likely that both of those individuals are going to know the harm that smoking is going to cause them they are also both in the category of individuals who could possibly start smoking but simply by virtue of the laws of the UK one of them is over the legal age the fact that you're offering that person who is 18 and a half a cigarette, it, it's just as damaging, it's just as potentially harmful as offering the 17 and a half year old reenact a, a cigarette. Um, because you may be, you know, for want of a better phrase, leading them down that path that may lead them on to it becoming more of an addiction. Um, so how you balance it, it's it's difficult to say. Um, I, I personally would take the view of. I, You know, I wouldn't endeavour to supply uh, cigarettes to anyone who's a minor. Naturally, illegal. Don't want to be doing that. Um, And if it's a person over the age of eighteen, well, if you want cigarettes, then you know exactly what happens. You know exactly what it says on the packet, and make no mistakes about it. Uh, It does that.
0: We can talk about the moral responsibility of cigarette smokers at reenactments, um, and that's a definitely a valid thing to consider for me something that i do feel very comfortable telling smokers that they need to be doing at reenactments is not being a farb about it which is something that i see so very often at reenactments where the person has a period lighter but it's been a month since the last event they haven't used the lighter the lighter fluid has dried out and so now they are pulling out the plastic lighter or they brought a A correctly repackaged pack of um, filterless cigarettes and then maybe the first night at the event they were maybe a little too exuberant saw a bunch of friends they hadn't seen in a while smoked the whole pack and now it's uh run off to the nearest convenience store and for the rest of the event they are smoking marlboro reds you know Uh, that in those situations cigarette smoking actually makes your impression less realistic
1: yeah yeah i I mean I, i i would completely agree with that it's um if you are going to do it, whatever it is, endeavour to do it in the most accurate way possible, um, there are means of smoking in an accurate manner. Let's say, for example, I mean, I myself, um, I now smoke roll-up cigarettes on the basis that they fit in period uh, cigarette tins. I've got a very nice uh, silver-plated cigarette tin. Which belonged to someone whose first name began with a G and second name began with a D. So, when I was portraying Gross Deutschland, having a cigarette tin with GD uh, etched onto it, obviously that was quite handy. Um, I've now potentially got to find someone whose initials were F, H, and H, but that might be a bit trickier. <laughs> uh, but as the, the point I'm making is that um, the rolled up cigarettes are completely white, they are closer to the size of original cigarettes. The problem is that tobacco tins, you may need to refill them. As you say, what happens if you uh, go heavy on the first night and then you're having to roll up uh, ones from a modern packet? Uh, What if your accurate tin that you've got needs refilling with tobacco and it just so happens that it's at the point where you're out in the field? Again, that's not ideal. And believe me, lighters have a really bad habit of going astray. No matter how many times you say, right, I'm going to keep my lighter in this top pocket of my tunic, it goes all over the place. And I have to admit, I have brought along uh, replacement lighters, naturally, uh, to you know fire up the jewel stove or the Esbit stove or that sort of thing. And sometimes they may have to make their way out because lighters do go missing. Um, but again, it's a case of being responsible, endeavour not to use it in public, and. I suppose that leads us on to the uh, other difficult question of e-cigarettes. Have you seen these out and about at events? Oh, event? sure, yeah.
0: I, I've seen that so much at reenacting, mm. and uh, I always just cringe super hard when I see someone hit that vape uh, in a World War 2 uniform. You know, there's nothing about that that looks uh, that looks cool or realistic or no. appealing to me on any level whatsoever.
1: No, but there's there's no room to maneuver really with that. You've got to. You know, if you have uh, purely playing devil's advocate, if you're smoking an e-cigarette, I don't know, let's say on the grounds of health reasons or you're trying to legitimately quit smoking, you know, a burning cigarette, um, you've just got to hold your hands up and say, yes, it's not accurate, as well as out the smell, you know, sat, sat in a trench, you know. Um, it being tremendously zony, as you say, uh, and then all of a sudden you get a cool waft of pina colada or cherry ice blast (laughs) wafting over the trench. I can can imagine that uh, hoshes the immersion, as they say.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: A final topic before we start
0: looking at some comments from listeners uh, is, I guess, the final final frontier of smoking is when it's not even tobacco anymore and uh, you're smoking you know, a legal or illegal drug. Um, You know, I would be lying if I claimed I had never seen that happen at a reenactment. Um, In fact, I would be telling the truth if I said that I had seen it a real lot. And increasingly, lately, especially here in the state where I live, um, cannabis has been decriminalized. And so now people aren't, you know, people who prefer to... um, in, indulge in some cannabis at the event. They don't really feel the need to go hide in the woods as much anymore, and instead are just sort of passing it around the campfire. And uh, you know, I, I I imagine that people um, can imagine what my stance is on that. Where I am not a fan of it.
1: No, no. I mean, it's it, it's it's interesting. The you know the the rampant tobacco smoker now deciding that he's going to take the moral high ground on another. Um, you know, potentially damaging substance. Um, I myself, I' am not a fan of, um, of narcotics and that sort of stuff. And even the sort of through the normalisation of marijuana in recent years, um, you know, we could get into huge debate about the actual substance itself and health impacts, etc., etc. As a UK-based reenactor, um, we're in the position that it's not legalised. Uh, the police take a tremendously lax uh, approach on uh, enforcing enforcing laws surrounding it. Um, but at the same time, I myself am of the opinion that there is a difference between smoking a marijuana cigarette at a reenactment and smoking a traditional cigarette. Let's say, for example, you're sat in the middle, one person is smoking a tobacco cigarette on one side of you. Well, that's probably going to smell. Um, you may gain uh, a minor... Uh, part of secondhand smoke off the back of it, um, but apart from that, it's not going to have any actual impact on you as an individual. If you've got someone on the other side of you uh, smoking a Jamaican woodbine, shall we call it, then I don't know, there may be the possibility that you're going to feel a bit nauseous. You that may have an impact on you, you may feel a little bit high afterwards. Again, I may be talking out of my backside, uh, given that I'm not had much in the <laughs> way of dealings with. Uh, you know inhaling secondhand marijuana smoke but at the same time we've all been in that situation where you walk down the street someone's smoking one and you think oh crikey that's that's harsh um and so again it's about being um being responsible if you are feeling the need to do it and you have to do it then do it in a way that's not going to impact those around you
0: yeah i would i would you know i'm trying to be as uh sort of diplomatic here as possible so I would just say that I would encourage people not to do it yeah I have everybody has their own feelings and ideas you know I have my viewpoints about uh, cannabis and the normalization of it and the promotion of it Um, and you know I'll just leave it at that yeah so
1: just say nine uh, just say
0: nine (laughs) say nine Uh, so I'm really grateful for all the comments that we got. We did mention on the Reenactors Corner Discord server, which is open to anyone who wants to join, and also on the Reenactors Corner Facebook page that we were going to be discussing this topic, and we got some great, um, responses, and I'm basically just going to read them all, and then we can, we can talk about it, and and I think it's good because, uh, my feelings about this are, are so black and white and one-sided. And there's a lot of comments that have uh, nuance and, and different stuff. So um, so on the Discord, uh, DJ Kavana had written, I wouldn't ever smoke in reenactment. I don't see how it contributes to your impression at all. You don't need a cigarette in your mouth to make an accurate portrayal of a soldier. I mean, there are a million and one other ways of improving your impression over spending massive amounts of money on a bad habit, which creates some bad health defects. That's my opinion anyway. The reason I have no motivation to smoke is because many didn't. I think that it's very achievable to have an accurate impression without smoking. Granted, a lot did, but I think there are better ways of having an authentic impression than
1: smoking. That's, that's, that, that sounds pretty spot on, to be honest with you. Um, you know, as we said, that it's a purely personal choice. And there were German soldiers in World War II who had the personal choices to whether or not they did smoke or not. So, yeah, hit the nail on the head.
0: I'm sure some people would push back and say, well, I don't spend a massive amount of money. You know, I bought one pack of cigarettes and I only smoke one cigarette at every other reenactment I go to. And I'm in my third year of reenacting and I'm still on the same pack. And that's, I guess, great for them. But that's, of course, not going to be the reality for everybody.
1: No, no it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice at the end of the day. My, my pure opinion is the impact on your authenticity um, is is negligible.
0: Sarchet on Discord said, I enjoy the occasional pipe or cigar, and I have appropriate pipes for some of my kits. I don't feel strongly one way or the other on tobacco use and impressions, just that if you're going to use it at an immersive event or during public hours, it should be of a correct type and style.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're all wanting to portray the German soldier as accurately as possible. And if you are doing that by smoking in an accurate manner than, than, fair play to the individual. Sure.
0: Kopfjäger von von Fierzig says, this is starting my 26th year as a world War two reenactor. And I've never felt pressured to smoke as part of my impression. I also grew up at a time when pretty much everybody smoked though. I never did. I enjoy the occasional cigar or a good pipe tobacco. And I sometimes carry a pipe as part of my impression. I would never join a reenactment group that either banned smoking or required it as a condition of membership.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, as you say, it's, it's, it's striking that balance, really. Um, you know, treat, Treating individuals with a level of responsibility as to whether or not they do it. But I'm glad to see there are a lot of classy reenactors out there all jumping on the, uh, the cigar and the, the pipe vibe. That's, uh, that's nice to see.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it is interesting. Uh, I understand that there is definitely a way that people can enjoy tobacco in a way that is that is moderate and and shows restraint. And in that in that regard, that activity is probably not any more unhealthy than than many of the things that I do every single day. But uh,
1: you know, I just. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is interesting that, from what the Discord, um, what Discord uh, individuals have all mentioned, it seems to be that the more antiquated ways of smoking, or the less common forms of smoking, are the ones that they gravitate more towards. So, for example, the pipe, the cigar, as opposed to the uh, cigarette. Let's say, maybe it's something to do with the fact that they wanting to channel. Maybe this is romanticizing it a little bit. It's more more old, old-timey ways of smoking into their impression. I don't know. I've
0: seen that done with the Soviets as well, where there's the um, Rossi that is this weird um, way of smoking a cigarette with a hollow sort of a filter that you put a kink in it that kind of creates a filter. Um, or they're smoking uh, Makorka, this... It seems to be especially gross stuff to me. Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a cultural approach to it that that I guess I understand. Um, I'll be honest with you, Eric. I'm like sweating a little bit over here because I I'm reading these comments and uh, I don't know. I just <laughs> the are idea there, of me promoting smoking in any way.
1: Are there any that push you out your comfort zone? To be honest with you, are there any that think. You, well, you want to jump into that conversation?
0: Um, you know, even this, I I absolutely understand that if a unit, if a reenactment unit were to say uh, there is no smoking at events with us, that that would be um, a historical and dr- probably draconian, and there is sort of like a you know freedom loving aspect of it that I uh, I I don't know, I just. I would I would love it if I would love it if smoking was was outlawed completely to be perfectly honest you know What
1: would your so, opinion be on if they'd said drinking instead
0: It would be different I mean I I, I th- this is a personal thing it's not even like a, a necessarily like a it's not a moral stance so much or or even necessarily that I'm worried about people's health i mean we're we're out there shivering in the rain um you know eating food that was prepared in in a place that didn't necessarily meet uh sanitation codes right you know there's there's reenacting is inherently dangerous and can be harmful to your health with or without smoking um i just
1: i just really hate smoking yeah. so much that's really good i it, it's it's difficult isn't it because it's the it goes back to that sort of the the moral come legal argument, and it was, you know, for going, trying not to go back into my day job, but there was an interesting debate about the uh, conflicts of law and morality in the fifties following the Nuremberg trials, known as the Hart and Fuller debate, where it discussed whether or not um, something that was completely legal um, should be trumped by moral laws, shall we say? So, for example, smoking and drinking. When you mentioned that you, you know, if it was drinking, it'd be a completely different thing. Whereas if it was smoking, it'd be perfectly fine for it to be banned. It's a moral decision at the end of the day, um, and I would probably fall more on the um, come more down uh, come down on the side of the debate where I probably wouldn't want to be in a part of a group that said you're not allowed to do, you know, you're not allowed to drink and you're not allowed to smoke. Um, I would hope that being in a group of adults, that they would be able to understand the fact that if you want to do these things, i.e., smoking or drinking, because as a UK reenactor, both of those are legal. Fine, do it, but do it in a responsible manner. You're an adult, um, so it's up to you to use discretion in that respect. Because you know, I've, I've I've seen draconian measures in place where it's sort of you're not allowed to drink at this public event. Uh, in a relaxed manner and drink in a responsible way, and I do think it, it does sometimes, um, it does sometimes impact the enjoyment of the events. As long as everyone's doing it in a responsible manner, I think that's the best that we can we can really hope for.
0: Our frequent guest Rudy Lange, said, "I will occasionally have a cigar or a puff on a pipe, normally during a celebration." or a pipe during some downtime. I do have some cigarillos in an original case for my Auske Anzug impression, but I'm not a smoker, nor do I ever feel pressured to smoke as it fits the impression or is popular. I do know living historians who carry a pipe as part of their impression, but I don't smoke as it seems more authentic. I also know of a reenactor that buys and carries cigarettes with him to events just so that he can pass them out to guys who do smoke. He's not a smoker, but feels it enhances the shaft and makes for some cool photos.
1: I mean, I can certainly see how that's that's quite an accurate thing, you know, and a bit of a morale boost um, to guys, you know, halfway through a battle breaking out some, let's say, lucky strikes, for example, that have been captured and they're in period rations and uh, they're handed out to individuals in the group who, who do smoke. That, that That's a an interesting interesting take on it um, I don't know if it's something that would be feasible in the UK with tobacco prices um, and if there is anyone in the UK scene who is like that do do let me know because normally on a Sunday at a, at a tactical event I may be running low on cigarettes so that person would be very popular but again it's a case of if it's done in the correct and authentic manner then that's that's uh, that's a good way to uh, a good way to add a little bit of something special to an event.
0: Mitch Henson says, "I have smoking stuff, pipe, tin of tobacco, matches, etc., as part of my pocket litter, but I don't smoke because I'm asthmatic. Half the guys in my group smoke, so I just make sure I'm not standing next to them when they do, and there's never been a problem." There's never been any pressure for anyone to take up the habit to be more authentic, and most of the guys actually found it kind of fun to change their smoking packets into something more period-correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've enjoyed um, improving my smoking side of the impression, again, with the um, that GD cigarette in and having a period lighter and that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's good to hear that there isn't. There's a lot of younger reenactors who clearly don't feel... Pressured into smoking, because um, I, I do know reenactors who, you know, who, who seem to constantly have a cigarette on the go. Um, some of my camarades would probably say I fall into that category at reenactments. But it, again, it, it's the fact that you don't want to see a seventeen-year-old picking up something when you've handed them the first cigarette, and then a few years later at an event, they've constantly got a cigarette on the go. That that wouldn't be very good.
0: You know, I'm, I don't want to invalidate anything that anybody's saying, but um, you know, everyone has a different experience. My experience, as I mentioned, is is that there is some pressure to smoke, even if it's not um, intentional or or not overt. You know, it can be subtle. I mean, look if if people who don't smoke are carrying tobacco for as part of the impression, to me that that says something about a perception. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it, it, it's. It's somewhat of a soft uh, conformity pressure, in the sense of you know wanting to be part of that crowd. Um, you know, I've 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 offered cigarettes to young Korean actors uh, previously. Again, over uh, the legal age to smoke, I hasten to add. And I would probably be inclined to say that there was some a little bit of pressure because someone's offering it to you, and you think, oh well, go on then, why not? Um, You know, I suppose there's that temptation for the recipient of the cigarette to think, well, actually, this person's offering it it to me. That's quite nice of them. And at the same time, I don't do it every single day, so maybe I should just accept it. And I remember um, picturing it now, that individual, I could tell, was not a a regular smoker, just in the manner in which they held the cigarette and how they smoked it. So again, it's um, maybe those soft pressures certainly are there. Sure. Bartell
0: says, I haven't really felt any pressure to smoke, but I find it hard to deny that I am more positive about smoking in a reenactment context than in a normal 21st century life one. I rarely smoke in my day-to-day life, but for some reason the idea appeals to me more at reenactment. Is this because it allows more connections with the people from the period, or is it a romanticized view based on generations of social manipulation and warping by tobacco companies? I can't answer that myself, but I would love to hear more discussion about the nuances of smoking in the 1940s. I'd love to know from people who lived in that time what they thought of smoking, smokers and non-smokers, etc. Well, one thing that I that I found to be really surprising was the average number of cigarettes smoked per day by American soldiers was like tremendously huge compared to the number of cigarettes smoked per day by German soldiers. And I think that that colors our perception, me as an American and people that I reenact with, when we think about men of that generation, when we think about our grandparents or great grandparents or whatever they were, these were people who, uh, often smoked a lot and, and smoked throughout their lives. And we perceive that this generation was, um, really really into smoking but there was there was a very different sort of cultural push and cultural attitude on the german side that um seems to have i mean i understand that people who are uh advocates for for not smoking are not going to be quick to point out well the nazis the nazis didn't like smoking so you know you shouldn't smoke you know that that argument is never going to be made um, but and so that that aspect of history kind of I think is obscured a little bit by that but it it definitely was a factor and that the anti-smoking campaign from the leadership is something that people during the third reich would have been
1: aware of yeah it's it's interesting from as a reenactor I did try the uh german uh cigarette ration of six cigarettes a day at an event and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make it. I think I brought two packs along uh, for full well knowing that I wasn't going to be able just to have six cigarettes a day. Um, but no, it's interesting that uh, in those difficult and stressful situations, German soldiers had to uh, had to get by on that. I suppose that's why uh, in that uh, grainy footage of the um, I think it may be SS troops and Fallschirmjager troops in the. Um, in the Battle of the Ardennes, um, when they're finding uh, U.S. cigarettes, they're breaking those out in front of the newsreel cameras, and you can see guys grabbing handfuls of a couple of cigarettes when it's getting offered to them. Because when they, when I'm sure, when they saw those large packs, um, it was uh, it was like Christmas come early for them when they are only on six cigarettes a day.
0: Craig says, I feel in my group about half the men smoke, of which half of that are smokers outside of reenacting. As the senior NCO of my lot, I have never seen any pressure to smoke applied to members, but have definitely seen those who didn't smoke before reenacting start to have the odd one at trainings and tacticals, whether it be to get into the zone or simply wanting to join in with others. I can't say, but it may simply be part of the culture, just as I've seen many non-smokers smoke whilst drinking when out at some bars. It's something I'll definitely keep an eye on and explore.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, that, that odd one cigarette. It's, it's difficult to say whether or not you know, 18-year-olds getting started off in reenacting are, are only going to smoke because of their experiences at reenacting. Let's say, for example, no one offered them a cigarette. They didn't buy any cigarettes. But at the same time, when they go out with their, you know, high school mates or something like that, they could, you know, just be just as easily be picking up smoking because someone at the club has offered them a cigarette, or they're doing it to be part of the in crowd within school. It may be this sort of soft, um, this soft peer pressure that we feel is evident in the reenacting community when it comes to smoking is just actually part of a greater societal trend of wanting to try something that is is, is harmful and makes them feel part of the crowd. Um, I know plenty of people who are social smokers, uh, who smoke when they're around other people, um, who aren't reenactors. So who knows, maybe it's um maybe it's prevalent in all walks of life.
0: I think there is kind of a certain type of person who gravitates towards reenacting, just like there might be a certain type of person who gravitates towards real-world military service. And there might be a desire there to um, to seem or to feel tough or cool or to seem more masculine or whatever. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, it's a very complex subject, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that we can talk about until the until the cows come home, really. But as long as it's done... Absol- in, absolutely. As long as it's uh, done in a safe and responsible manner as much as you can, then, you know, vive la difference. Thomas Petro writes, I don't smoke anymore,
0: but I do put them out, a couple different brands, and an original lighter for display. The impact of smoking multiplied tenfold during the war. You know yeah, did, did the impact of smoking multiply tenfold? I mean, I think you could probably make a case for that, or you could make a case that, uh, wartime realities made it more difficult to obtain cigarettes or, or anything in between sort of, um, so I, I can see putting out cigarettes for a display because it, you know, as I mentioned, I have original stuff in my collection because it was a fact of life for people, um, and it can be something, it could be a talking point that might be interesting for a spectator at a, at a public display.
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose if there's that personal connection as well, if they remember their uh, grandfather or great-grandfather who was in the Second World War and they associate that particular brand of tobacco with that person, I suppose it could potentially make a, an interesting talking point. But how much more, I, I, I wouldn't be able to say.
0: Mark writes, As I feel the addictive property of nicotine only mildly, if at all, it's easy for me to only smoke at events. I see other reenactors smoke, but in my experience, most do not. As someone who enjoys smoking but doesn't want the daily habit, the hobby is my perfect excuse to indulge in it occasionally. Personally, I find everything about it enhances the experience. Well, so that's like a very vocal pro smoking. It is,
1: it, it is, yeah. The uh, the next uh, Marlboro Man cowboy right there. Um, it's it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a tricky one because I I was of the opinion that it's something very easy to pick up and put down. It can be isolated purely to reenactments, and for a long time, I did purely isolate it to reenactments. Um, whether or not there is a switch that goes in the person's head whether it's because they've got cigarettes left over um, or whether they associate something with an enjoyable, enhanced experience, as he says, Um, whether that then spills out into day-to-day life, who knows? Um, Fair play to the person who can keep it purely locked into, uh, into that weekend activity. Zachary Williams says, I find myself only
0: smoking at events, and even then only socially. I do like having tobacco-related items for my kit, pack of Bellamores, matches, rolling papers, etc., as part of my general desire to have pocket litter. It's an easy way to make sure my pockets aren't empty, but of course you could also have paperwork, rations, whatever, to scratch the same itch. Dustin Belair says, Something that I have come up with for myself and the unit I am in is to use a stand-in item. I go to local candy shops and find if they have bubblegum cigarettes. Using some of the many varieties of packaging available with vendors like Kriegsenda and so on, I package them. We then use these as items to buy from the unit store. It at least at least helps create the look if people want to.
1: I mean, fair. I mean, fair play. That's 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 good creativity. Um, you know, if it, if it's forming part of a, a larger scenario at an event you know if there's a canteen store and you can buy something from it with your you know your few fennigs that you've got left over at the end of the day then that's that's fine I as someone on this side of the pond a bubblegum cigarette what does that look like out of interest
0: it looks like it looks like a cigarette and it these these are things that i think are probably illegal in some parts of america now and certainly aren't at every store but I remember when I was a kid in the '80s, you could get bubblegum cigarettes at like any gas station, um, and it's it's it looks like a cigarette pack, but it's a brand that's not a real brand of cigarettes, and then the there are white cylindrical pieces of bubblegum that you eat, you know, they chew up. It really is <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah, we we uh, we used to have something. I remember them as uh, being, being a child. Um, we used to have sort of like a candy cigarette, so it was like pure white sugar cigarette and you know I suppose again that gets you around the sort of the inaccuracy of the, the brown filter but we definitely did have chocolate cigarettes as well wrapped up in rice paper I remember those kicking around in the early <laughs> noughties but again um, <laughs> transplanting those into a reenactment scenario uh, you know 10 out of 10 for creativity but um, yeah I don't think it would quite be the smooth, smooth taste of a crisp crisp Benson and Hedges <laughs>
0: Dylan Williams says it's definitely more of a social thing for most of the people in our Soviet unit we will all destroy a pack or two of cigarettes together at events and then never touch them in our normal lives would not say it's necessary for authenticity at all have some pocket trash if you want but one doesn't have to smoke to try to emulate the period although the only time I ever felt immersion was inside a tent that was opaque with hookah smoke
1: interesting was it would be interesting to know if that was because of the experience of doing something different at a reenactment so smoking let's say at a north africa event smoking some like a hookah pipe or whether it was the communal aspect of it
0: yeah i don't know it sounds like a nightmare to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anyone's going to want to pull a whitey at a a reenactment so yeah no maybe maybe that's not for us (laughs) Andrei Kosarev says,
0: I started smoking Newport menthol cigarettes daily because of Vietnam reenacting. My first cigarette was at a reenactment. I almost definitely would not be a smoker if it wasn't for this hobby. I know many, many people who are in the same boat. It's a rabbit hole. I don't regret it, but it's important to understand the dangers. In this day and age, nobody is ignorant about the dangers of smoking tobacco like they were during the old times.
1: Yeah yeah you know, I think he's he's hit the, hit the nail on the head in respect of that it's it's something that goes outside of the hobby it's something that's dangerous, and I think a lot of people don't quite admit to knowing that it it is dangerous when they should when they should be doing so
0: okay, one last comment from David. He says I'd say about ninety eight percent of my crew smokes I'm not sure what percentage smokes in real life versus just for events. I'm definitely in the minority, a non-smoker 100% of the time.
1: Yeah. Fact like good, good, wholesome note.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a good one to end it on. A lot of former military members kind of are drawn to reenacting. Some of those adrenaline rushes
1: kind kind of come back. There's no perfect unit out there where everything is just Nirvana, and you know there's going to be butting heads. There's going to be different ideas. There's going to be instances where it's almost like middle school or high school drama. Not only are events being cancelled, but Soviet reenactors, often reenactors who have supported the same shows for years and years, are, are essentially now being said that they're you know being told that they're persona non grata.
0: The reenactors' corner, bringing history to life. Eric, it has been really great chatting with you. Again, thank you so much for coming on the program.
1: Uh, Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, hopefully it'll be uh, an interesting one to stir up some debates at the next uh, reenactment.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, Yeah, if if you're listening to this and you're filled with outrage, um, you know, please... uh, please go easy on me. You know what I mean? I I acknowledge that uh, everyone has different opinions on this and different attitudes and perspectives, and that's totally fine. All right. Thanks again, Eric. Um, And I hope, uh, I hope we can touch base again a different time and talk about maybe something that isn't so uh, anxiety inducing for me.
1: Indeed. Well, on that note, I think I might nip off and have a very cool crisp cigarette before I head off to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoy it. Uh,
0: also, just a, a final note. This is our 99th regular episode. That doesn't count all of the um, Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes that we've done every month, but our next regular episode is going to be episode number 100. And for that one, we do have something special planned for the 100th episode, so stay tuned for that. All right, so to, uh, to Eric and everybody out there, I will see you in the field.
1: See you in the field.
0: We love hearing your thoughts on the podcast, so why not sign up to the Reenactor's Corner on Discord? You'll find a link in the show notes that accompany this episode. And while you're there, perhaps have a think about supporting us via Patreon. Your regular donations, no matter how big or small, really count and help keep us on the air. Thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retro Man, for editing the podcast. And we hope that you'll join us here again soon for the next episode of the Reenactor's Corner.